0: That's N-O-O-M to sign up for your trial today.
1: You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy,
2: part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everyone. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 80. Little mini milestone there, Steve. December 1st, another milestone and it is the last month before the new year where we will see a bunch of 2023 stat lines come to fruition. And today we are looking at the projected stat lines. I'm Van Burnett, joined as always by Mr. Steve Giswelli. You guys can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pod. I'm at van underscore verified, and Steve is at stav8818. Steve? projection season is always a fun time to squint challenge uh you know look at what they did last year how the situations changed super pumped about it man uh but i cannot lie i have not been thinking baseball the past two weeks i am deep in world cup fever and gotta give a shout out to the usa hopefully as this comes out uh you know we're nice and ready for netherlands get a little victory but we're not here to talk about soccer. I just had to lead in with that. How's it going, man?
1: Yeah, honestly, me too. I've been uh, distracted by another sport as well. That's because my New Jersey Devils are in first place in the <laughs> National Hockey League. They have won 16 of 17 games. Uh, I thought
2: I saw my Twitter. The, like, we yeah. both are, are dipping out of baseball oh, for yeah. a brief moment yeah. here, which is allowed.
1: Yeah. And they've been pretty tough for the last 10 years, so... Uh, I am very excited and occupied with that, but you know, uh, it's nice. Uh, I've been listening to food baseball podcasts here and there. I know, uh, you were on the, on the corner podcast with, with Nick. I listened to that last week. Uh, my episode with Nick on, on the corner for our mock Jeff review came out. I think it was Monday, uh, which which was uh, you know nice to listen back to some parts of that. There were some some good laughs. I, I had some good laughs at yours too. And yeah, uh, it, it's I'm just, an
2: hour in. I'm an hour in on nice, yours. Nice, and nice. Uh, right when I thought I was out of the line of fire, I caught the stray? Yeah, I caught the stray of Ranger Suarez. <laughs> uh, I cannot get away from that. At least it's not Yasmani Grandal. But uh, no, it's hilarious content, man. And I think. Nick has obviously areas of knowledge that, and stats that he throws out that aren't typically Mm -hmm. in my Rolodex. So that part is fascinating to me, but you know, it's still, it's still a guessing game to some extent. And there's still moments where I think if last year taught us any lesson, it's just because Nick doesn't agree with a certain pick of yours or how early you took it doesn't mean it won't, be a good pick or a good uh, guy to plant a flag on. So,
1: Yeah, and Nick basically acknowledged that in all of his oh, analysis, sure, too. Sure. It's just, you know, as a good podcast host and analyst, there has to be some pushback. And obviously, you know, his knowledge, especially of, of pitching and everything like that, is, you know, second to no one. So, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was great. I, I got, you know, a, a great chuckle out of a, a few of your lines there in the pod with Nick. It was just, you know, obviously... Um, if you haven't listened to either one of those, be sure to check it out. It's on this very podcast feed. So I'm sure if, uh, you're listening to Winds Above Pan- Fantasy, you have seen those. So, uh, great, great way to, you know, pass the, the cold winter months if you don't have the, if you're not a diehard U.S. Uh, men's national, uh, team fan like Van is, or you know, you don't have the fortune of rooting for the uh, New Jersey Devils like I do, uh, and are just waiting for baseball season, which is what I'm doing too, uh, but there's some, some great podcasts coming out uh, on the On the Corner for that mock draft review, so be sure to check all those out. That's uh, me being a company man there and plugging everyone's mock draft review podcast.
2: Fantastic. And on the company line, I loved what Nick had to say about Pitchless 8.0, having some new stats that might be... Uh, some game changers. I-, I liked what you guys were talking about on the whole. Uh, what was it like the swing rate on? on... Uh, yeah,
1: like competitive pitches. You know, yeah, that, you know, we, we can't, we can't uh, spoil. Not that we know much about it anyway, but we can't uh, give too much away there. But obviously, you know, with, with it's a tease. The new, it's a tease. yeah, it's a tease. Yeah, but with it... the new year, and new PLA. To, just, they come out with something amazing every year, and you know, I'm sure there'll be something super excited. But yeah, that was. Uh, my face kind of lit up, where it's like, "Oh, maybe that should be a stat." And it's like and Nick was like, "Wait a second,
2: that's going to be, be a stat. Yeah, that might I be a it. stat. Yeah, yeah." Well, you know, from the tease there to the segue of the show topic, we're talking projections, Steve. And uh, you know, when I wasn't listening to like uh, Stars and Stripes and and American Soccer podcasts, I did check out a Hacks and Jacks pod. Steve, or I'm sorry, Scott Chu. Was talking about how a Steamer is traditionally a, a very conservative projection system, and that's what we're looking at. It's today. the only. It's the only one out right now. Yeah, it's still only one. That's out. Yeah. yeah. So I think a trend I've found, and I'm curious your thoughts, is that there are some conservative projections on hitters, and then on the pitching side, I think it's almost the inverse where, you know, they they just don't buy a lot of the breakouts, or, you know, they. It just basically, lo- which I guess would be conservative to to be fair, but the the pitchers I thought were way conservative in a lot of cases. So we'll have to talk about that. But to to put a wrapper on this whole show, are, are we calling it interesting projections or I, I'm not buying it? I mean, what? Do, how would you give the spin? Because we got a little bit we, of a range. We've done
1: here. like uh, puzzling projections before, but you know, I was thinking uh, as I was getting ready for the show, like, oh, hey, you know, what's this title going to be? But Maybe like he's projected for what or this projection is what, uh, or, you know, kind of a way this to spice up an interesting or surprising projections, uh, a better a better title for for the show than that. Uh, just to kind of, uh, you know, mix it up. I know you've gone with the show title puzzling projections uh, before, um, but yeah, I, I think it's a good point by Scott. And that's kind of why there is some buying opportunity for these guys, right? The projection system is supposed to be conservative. It's supposed to, you know, that's inherently what it does. It, you know, brings things back to a mean and regresses, you know, stats basically to try and figure out mathematically what a player is projected to do. But if players did exactly what they're projected to do, nobody, none of us would be playing fantasy baseball. Right. And I think I, I was listening to it on, on a, on another podcast. I, it was probably rates and barrels. I think it was, Eno Saris, um, and he talked about, you know, how projections sometimes have to toe a line between like playing time and actually projecting what a player is going to do, and if that's good. Sometimes those things don't add up. If that makes sense, I think they're actually talking about a player that we'll talk about a little bit later as a teaser here. But, you know, if a player is projected to have a really good WRC plus, but then only have eighty games of playing time, like. It's one or the other, essentially, right? And projections yeah. have to kind of find a middle ground there that is not going to be an accurate representation of what's going to happen. Either the guy's going to be good and he's going to play a bunch or he's going to be bad and not you know, not meet mm-hmm. the, those projections. It, it'll never be like in the middle with a good projection. Jazz just,
2: Chisholm or somebody like, a, like that. Unless, yeah, like,
1: yeah, exactly. They have to hedge their bets somehow, right?
2: Yep. Okay, well, let's, let's jump in, Steve. we got a long list of names, and it's a super exciting topic. But let's start at the very top, and we're going to lead with hitters. And right now, granted it's very early on the NFBC drafts, this guy is the top ADP player, and it is your boy, if I can call him that, Trey Turner. With that said, the projections are in for Steamer, and in my opinion, seem to be criminally low. Turner, getting projected out at 157 games, just a 286 batting average, 19 homers, 23 steals, 89 runs, 78 RBI. Listen, it's a good line for any other player, but for Trey Turner, he's a career three hundred two batting average guy. They're dropping him 16 points. The homers at 19, I mean, he hit. What, two years ago, he was way above that. And then last year, I thought 21 was the floor. Only 23 steals is pretty low for Trey Turner, let alone with bigger bases. What's going on here when you look at Turner's projections? I mean, it seems like the industry is already taking the over on a lot of these by making him the 1-1. But what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I mean, they're regressing his BABIP down to a 324, and he hasn't had that low of a BABIP since 2018 and that was an outlier that year it was you know uh a 314 Babip in 2018 he hit 271 but every other year it's been well well above that so i, I don't see how you could basically drop his Babip 20 points when you know he's a career 344 Babip. um and, and you know any bit of luck with that that 286 becomes close to the 300 that we'd expect and you know <laughs> there's seasons here with this batting average line of 342, 335, 328 like this guy is a batting title contender I just don't I, I think this is a case kind of like we hinted at where the projection system is just being too bearish and just does not have uh you know a input that's like okay hey this is Trey Turner let's Mm -hmm. tweak our model for this one specific player, right? Um, It's kind of probably just doing it based on whatever formula. You know, he's entering an age 30 season, um, but I'm still, you know, taking the over on essentially all of those numbers with a little bit of a pushback. I think 19 home runs might be kind of fair depending on where he signs, Um, you know, 28 in 2021 seems like a, a pretty good outlier. Um, you know, I know for half the season, there were still that the rabbit ball going on in 2021 last year, uh, you know, 21, I think is more towards his true talent level. That was still the second highest total of his career. He's at 19 twice before that. The so,
2: shortened season he was on, he was definitely yes, on pace uh, for like 25, 30.
1: Th- that was also probably peak rabbit ball though, then at that point. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, uh, Washington is a good place to hit in the, in the summer. So it was August and September in, in, in D.C. there. So um, may also probably be a bit of an outlier. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he 27 steals last year. Uh, I think the the 23 are probably low. But I don't know if we're going to see a 46 and 43. Maybe, you know, we'll get close to 30. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I it's not like he lost any sprint speed or anything like that. So I, I'd take twenty-seven as, as a uh, twenty-three as a as a floor for sure. Uh, probably buying the over on that as well. So I think it's low, maybe not criminally low though.
2: Okay. okay, and I
1: still think that projected line is like good enough for the first overall pick, right? Or at least top five.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't know the, the counting stats. Especially are, uh, are uh, pretty yeah, low. that's
1: another one that maybe it's because he doesn't is not on a team. But I, uh, uh, you know, he's going to sign with the contender, right? Like he has to. It, 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 yeah. It's going to be a really good team, so those those runs will be you know
2: at a hundred. And sure. Dodger Stadium's not a good homer environment, so I don't know. I I would take yeah, I would take the over on twenty one. Um, I still think Turner has has every right to, to shout for, like, a 25-30, 25-25 season. Yes. And definitely, if he's going to play 157 games, I have a hard time seeing how he doesn't hit a 100-run mark. Um, but, yeah, I guess Criminally Low might be overstating it. And overall, that's a good line anyway. So, yeah, I just thought it was a little interesting out of the gate that it's like, you know— He's just 30. seems like it's kind of a fade. But as Scott mentioned, we'll talk about throughout the show, Steamer is a conservative projection system. unless last year, Spencer Torkelson last year, and they had him <laughs> projected for like 190 WRC+. Plus. So let's keep it moving. We got a lot of names to get through. And this was one you had to defend on the Nick Pollock mock draft of Michael Harris II, who you took in the fourth round, Steve. I know part of that was kind of situational, but you don't have to convince me, man. You know, I, I rocked him last year in, in my home league and was a huge fan of the breakout. Now, this year, they've got him projected for 141 games, uh, 277 average, 22 homers, 20 steals, 84 runs, 78 RBI. Uh, which, by the way, doesn't look that, that far off. Different from, from Turner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's, here's my thought with, Michael Harris II looking at this is I was surprised that the average was as high as 277 uh-huh. even though he was in like the 290 territory last year just because of the strikeout rate the BABIP it seemed like he could do no wrong and it wasn't the hugest you know what was it just over half the season so I was more surprised that they gave him an extra 30 games and gave him the same steals total as he had last season with just 20 steals and the 22 homers when just last year I think was he at uh what was it 20? He was at 20. 22. Yeah, you got
1: 20. You got 20. Okay. 20, uh, so he was 20 of 22 so got caught stealing twice.
2: Gotcha. Where do you have his page up on homers? Yes. I'm trying to remember. Was he 20 or 19? 19. 19.
1: 19. 19.
2: Okay, so they only have him with three more homers with 27 extra games, and they have him with the same steal count. So his ADP is 29. I know some of these, because the, the NFBC drafts so far, are these mainly like best ball, or what are these drafts? Yeah, they're, they're, going they're going draft
1: on? champions.
2: Yeah, draft and gotcha. holds. Okay, so ADP 29. It might not be that expensive for actual drafts, but for sure, this is one that we got to talk about because he's kind of a head scratcher we we know he's going to have the helium the rookie of the year what did you think about this projection like?
1: yeah they're projecting his k rate to come down a little bit which i guess makes sense cuz the k rate in the minors was a lot better the swing strike rate and chase rate though um does have a little bit of cause for concern and 42% o swing percentage on fan graphs um you know uh, i would think in order to cut that strikeout rate um that would have to come down a bit uh and it seems like this is kind of like the like you know if my dumb brain were to do a projection uh i would project the average to come down further and then bump up the homers and steals based on just sort of the rates because the bower rate was really good the sprint speed was really good like i talked about it on the podcast with nick like everything as far as the homer totals and and stolen base totals like all those skills are good what's concerning is you know the 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 chase rate uh some swing and miss and um you know a potential batting average regression which you know if you told me 277 was what Michael Harris the second is going to hit uh in 2023 like I'm not hesitating at all to take him in the fourth round. It wouldn't have to be a situational type thing where I'm looking for speed or something like that. Like, if that's the case, like Michael Harris is going to jump into the first round uh, uh, in a a year from now. So, um, as someone who likes him, I'm a little bit more hesitant and think that there might be a bit of an average dip unless we see sort of some compensation for that power when reducing his O-swing. Um Something like that, you know. Uh, but I mean he's projected for one twenty WRC plus, which is pretty pretty encouraging from like Scott Chu says, it's uh it's a conservative system.
2: I think a couple other things to mention on Harris too is one, most of his games last season were in the middle to late part of the batting order. And right now on Ross yeah, it, Resources. It took early, him a but- while.
1: It took him a while to, to get a bump up. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean,
2: now he's he should be hitting like second in, in that lineup um, or at least somewhere up there. So I think that should really help with the the counting stats. On top of that, a theme that has been talked about plenty on those pitch mock draft episodes and just around the industry is if you're in a five by five, you don't necessarily want a guy who's if he's helping with average, you don't Need to see a huge walk rate because if he's walking less and he's a good batting average uh, plus to your team, then he's going to get more hits because he's not taking walks. So if if Harris is a two seventy seven guy, it might be a good thing that his walk rate is around five percent, not like ten percent. So just another note that 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 average could go a long way with. Less walks and more of an aggressive plate approach.
1: Yeah, after talking about that with Nick, I looked that up regarding Juan Soto and was like, "What is Juan Soto's career high in hits?" Considering he walks, you know, twenty percent of the time. Yeah, uh, and it was a shockingly low, at least to me, a hundred fifty-seven. He has never had more than one hundred fifty-seven hits in a season, and you know, uh, that is because he walks so much. So yeah, in five by five, if, if hits is a category, that is. Uh, you know that's not something that you should avoid these high obp or you know it's still a good thing you're not making out you're getting on on the bases you're going to get a run if you're a fast guy you have an opportunity to steal um it's just something to a good angle to consider yeah
2: for sure but i think that that plays well for harris with the speed and everything yeah
1: and that also could uh, i mentioned with nick too like if if you're putting the ball in play before you're striking out like that's a way to combat your your strikeout rate and for a guy that has a good hit tool like michael harris um you know uh that could be a good thing
2: love it okay let's move to another interesting one and I don't even know that I, I'm taking issue with the projections here on Gunnar Henderson. I think it's just the name that we're going to have to quickly develop an opinion on because there's, there's name value, there's a lot of hype, and his ADP right now is 96, which is crazy for Gunnar Henderson because we've seen so little of him in the majors. But his projections, over 141 games, uh, playing for the Orioles, batting two fifty five 21 homers, 10 steals, 75 runs, 77 RBI. So this, Steve, I mean, he's a big guy, but he has speed as well. This doesn't seem that off base to me, but I guess the question is, if this line were to be true, 255, 21, 10, 150 counting stats, is that worth a top 100 player pick? Or do you think this is just a guy that's like tough to project out? Um I think
1: it's probably a, a a top 100 pick if if that does pan out, right? Like double digit stolen bases with 20 homers and you know close to an 800 OPS. Like yeah, that's a really good fantasy player uh especially in today's run environment. Um I just wonder if that ADP is going to shoot up if you know uh he looks good in spring. You know the fact that he held more than held his own in the thirty-four game sample uh, that he came up with uh, the Orioles in uh, you know late August last year. Um, it seems like the Orioles are you know going to be a a darling sleeper team since they you know had a great year last year, have a lot of young exciting players. Um, so with that, I think will be more hype for guys like Gunnar Henderson um Adley Rushman too uh in in, in his own different sense but yeah I mean you know this is another guy that has had great walk rates in the minors he doesn't have the O-swing issues that Harris has so you know you can kind of talk yourself into a bit of a better maybe projection for for batting average there um has the speed like you said so uh, I, I I can see it, and I, and I think that you know people know that these projections are kind of you know uh, they they reflect more of the downside, and to see something that's that this positive for a rookie, um, a guy that showed that he could hit major league pitching in a, in a month sample, um, that's like the formula for uh, a, a guy to have a lot of helium going into draft season essentially
2: oh yeah i don't know i don't know i mean i i, I like third base as because uh, it's kind of a scarce position but like just browsing people with like similar stat lines or at least projections like you know this is more of a util comparison but like ian hap 247 23 homers nine steals 80 runs and rbis um and Hap is a guy that's not even, you know, his ADP is around like 160 versus a top 100. But I get that you're probably signing up for a lot more of the upside with with Gunnar Henderson. It's just tricky, man. Like just a 255 average and not prolific on either one of those. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've yeah, yet to decide I, I where I'm at. I had such
1: trouble with third base last year that I'm, I'm really going to be targeting one of the the big guys, uh, you know, get one before sort of Arenado goes that I hopefully won't have to make this decision in, in most drafts. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that that could also be another thing that leads to his inflated costs. It's like, Oh crap. All the good third basemen are gone. Let me grab Gunnar Henderson, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the other argument in his favor is I think he has that kind of, mid-level speed, which is what's Absolutely. rumored to be the, the yeah. guys who will get help the most with mm-hmm. the, the bigger bases. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, you know, if, if that 10 steals turns into 15 and he's like a 2015 guy um, in the heart of that order, yeah, I, I, I get it. It's just it seems a little pricey right now, but we'll be talking about them all season for sure. So... We'll keep rolling to another guy who's got a hype train. And Steve, you are the conductor <laughs> with O'Neal Cruz, who you took in the mock draft and had a good conversation with Nick. I was kind of disagreeing here with Nick because, you know, his response was like, oh, "You could get Willie Adams, but the the you're not drafting O'Neal Cruz for any sort of stability." And I think when you're in round seven, eight. Yes, you're still trying to get a floor, but man, this is like tantalizing upside. So for his projections, let's get into it. They only got him in 130 games. So you got to think for the volume here, bump up anything if he gets Mm -hmm. to 150 games. 250 average, 26 homers, 18 steals, 79 runs, and 68 RBIs. And that's with a conservative projection system. O'Neill Cruz is exciting, Steve. Talk to me about your thoughts on this. I mean, this was the one that was not at all conservative, in my opinion, if it's just 130 games. If he plays 150, we're talking
1: 30-20. And this is another one where the this is like the projection system kind of hedging their bets. If O'Neill Cruz hits 250 and has a 27% strikeout rate with an 8.7% walk rate and is healthy he is not going to play just 130 games and his counting stats will not just be 27 homers it'll be you know closer to 35 40 with closer to 30 steals rather than 19 um so yeah totally it's totally it's kind of the thing it's this this is the system saying hey there's also the chance that like O'Neill cruz is so bad that he needs to go down to the minors and fix his 45 percent Strikeout rate a la my other boy, Keston Hira. Um, so,
2: yeah, this it, it, is the one on like on, on Ariel's metrics on the yeah. ATC projections where there's like the that range volatility of Yes, yes, range. you need the volatility to be grade. the highest yes, by
1: far. Yes, which is, which is probably a better way to judge volatility than saying, hey, uh, oh, let's kind of project them for uh, 130 games because there's a chance that you know he might not get you know there's a chance that he's not in the majors the whole time um you know if this is if it's 250 like you know it's another thing like Harris like you know look out like that 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 could be a league winner if O'Neill Cruz hits 250 with a 27 percent strikeout rate so uh it's it's encouraging as much as I want to be hesitant and kind of go with safer hitters like this is what is tempting. Like, this is what, you know, you could fall in love with. Like, 27 homers, 19 steals, and 130 games with, you know, uh, you see the the, the, the Winter League uh, highlights from the Dominican Republic him where he's just, like, kind of dropping his bat head out and hitting a 450-fit home run. Uh, it's another one that the hype is easy to uh, get out of control with.
2: Yeah, it, it feels like, you know, Stanton in Miami or something where like if you have this guy on your team, it's just gonna be so much fun to watch him. Unfortunately he's surrounded by Pirates. However, one thing I thought was interesting is that at this two fifty average, which I think we would all sign up for, they had him projected at a three oh four Babip, but he's a career three twenty Babip guy because he just hits the hell out of the ball. So I mean I'm just wondering if maybe there's even if he's having a good season that Babbitt could even look better than 304, which it just is upside everywhere, but it comes with so much volatility. And I think the 27% K rate is kind of wishful a little bit, given what we saw last Absolutely. year, because he was beyond 30. What was he? 32, 33,
1: 35, 34.9. Uh, and then his September when he was really good, it was still like 29%. So it was still elevated. So he doesn't even need to get it down to 27%. He needs to get to that 29 that he had in September. But that's still a pretty big ask. Like that's a hard. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, this is you like know that, the Hunter Green of hitters. Yeah, September, the hot September that you're like praying is the yeah, real. Yeah,
1: he doesn't chase that much. He's just a 32 uh, percent O swing, but his contact percentage is way down at 66.2 percent. So there's just so much swing and miss in his game. Um, but you know, if there's any bit of improvement there, uh, look out and. and the K rates weren't that bad in the minors. I know it's a tough, that's a tough thing to sort of project and it's harder to hit major league pitching, but you know, he, he always improved his strikeout rate when he repeated a level or, or the next year. So, um, I in. Mean, it's just, I would be much more careful. Like I would want the chalkiest of chalk hitters around yeah, him. Almost plan for exactly. And course. then like not take another risk with the hitter until the, the late round just because there is so much boom-bust potential.
2: Yeah, that's great advice. We will talk about another up-and-comer that has a much higher floor, in my opinion. But first, we are going to take a quick ad break, and we will be right back.
0: When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
2: All right, Steve. We we made it this far into the show without talking yeah. about Vinny Pasquantino. You, you need
1: the you need the ha- uh the train conductor hat now. This is this is your hype train. I'm <laughs> all I'm thinking, all aboard though.
2: I was just thinking we were talking about like uh uh Bogman and the Welsh over on uh in this league and they play like chicken where they'll they'll like keep getting more <laughs> ambitious with a number until one person's like, "All right, I'm out. I'm out." I, I don't think O'Neill Cruz is going to go 30-30. And I was like, Vinny P would be an interesting game of chicken because I can't be more in on this guy. Uh, And it's mainly because he struggled so much in the first month of his big leagues. And, you know, we were all so excited about it. And even with those struggles, all the underlings looked so good that we were like, don't give up, don't give up. But eventually we were like, wait, is this just a weird profile? And he still finished. In 72 games with a 395 average, despite being...
1: 295. Offered. 295. I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah.
2: 295 average. Yeah, that's that's a game of chicken I would not play. <laughs> there, Steve. But in the 130-game projection, Steamer has him at 279 with 24 homers, 2 steals, 74 runs, 82 RBI. I think this is another one where they're just throwing 130 games at this. which makes the projection line look kind of reasonable and vanilla. But if you prorated those numbers out to 150 games, that's 28 homers, 85 runs, 95 RBIs. Either way, I think that the average of 279, I would bet the over. And I know that that's a a high number to say that, you know, basically a a rookie or a a sophomore – is flat out like a two eighty five, two ninety hitter, but I really think he is. ADP is at ninety one, so it comes with a price for sure, and that could get more expensive. But what was your reaction, Steve, on the Vinny P projections?
1: Uh, he's projected for one forty one WRC plus. This is the exact player that came up in the beginning of the show where I talked about, you know, the projection system hedging their bets. Um, you know, he's not going to play 130 games with a 141 WRC plus. He's just not. He would play close to you know 162 games if that was the case, and with that, the counting totals would be much better. Um, I mean, I I, I am all in with you here, man. Uh, his WRC plus by level uh, in 2019 at rookie ball 152, and 2021 at high A 154. 2021 at double a 152 2022 at AAA, 139 2022 with the Kansas City Royals in 72 games 137 like he's good. Uh, he's good he is good he does not strike out he walks just as much he has power like you know i know there was some pushback between you know the majors and there wasn't this prolific power especially in the beginning but between the two levels in 145 games he hit 28 homers You know, with the dead ball, like in Kansas City, not a great ballpark. Uh, it, it, you know, the home run to fly ball rate wasn't super high. Uh, I'm I'm trying, it was 11%, where, you know, in the minors, his, you know, numbers were closer to 18, 19%. Uh, so I, I just, I, I just don't see a world where Vinny P is going to hurt you. I just think Vinny Pasquantino is just, uh, uh, kind of like uh, a power hitter's dream where you just have this low strikeout rate, a high walk rate, and a guy that just a, a masher that can hit for average and for power. Uh, I, I think that this will be a guy that isn't going to go close to uh, uh, an ADP of 100 uh, if that's where he ends up um, anytime after this year. Uh, that's just how good the underlings are. I'm, I'm all in with you, man.
2: Yeah, and it's it's worth noting because we had the conversation with Harris a minute ago that if you're in a 5x5, five five, unfortunately, Vinny P does walk quite a bit. So as good as his average is, he might be a victim of the plate discipline where it you know, takes off a hit, a base hit per week or something like that. But if that's the worst thing you got to worry about, then uh, sign us all up. So that's Vinny P. We love him, and uh, we would take the over on some of these and— Let's move to... Can we be the uh,
1: official Vinny Pasquantino podcast? Can we declare ourselves that? I don't know if anyone else has, but...
2: Uh, yeah, if uh, you guys have, let us know. We'll have you on for a show. We'll just talk about them for yeah, an hour. It's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. Um, so what's funny about our, our segue here, Steve, is that Vinny P, despite feeling like such a, a shiny new toy is actually 25 years old. Yeah, he just the, same age, the, same,
1: the same age as this guy, which is crazy. And,
2: and he is the same age as Mr. Ozzy Albies. And wow, what a different thing, because here we are looking at Albies and asking the question, is this the same guy that he once was? Um, obviously, he's had some rough bouts with injury, but now the projections come out, and it looks like... They're basically projecting him to be somewhat of a shell of what he was, Steve, with the 259 average, which seems reasonable. When Ozzy was great, he was between like 270, 290. They're bringing that down a little bit, and with good reason. He, was, he struggled this year. He was batting like 240, I think. So they're kind of splitting the difference. Just 21 homers and 14 steals, and 72 runs, 76 RBIs. So this looks. Again, kind of, you know, vanilla-ish across the board. I mean, he would help you in most stats with with that line. But in 138 games, just having him at 21 homers, 14 steals, seems a little light. Um, curious what your thoughts are high level on Albies. And then we can get into some, some underlings and everything.
1: This is probably, I think I was down on Albies heading into 2021. And like this projected stat line is kind of the reason why it's like, what if Albie's is like a twenty ten guy with like a two fifty average? It's that's not mm-hmm. that good. Uh, I know we were talking about that with Trey um, Turner, but you know that was more of like a two ninety average twenty twenty, which is a lot different. Yeah. Um, you know, Albie's did hit two fifty nine in twenty twenty one, which is what he's projected for this year, but that came with thirty homers and twenty steals, right? Like that was ten more homers and ten more steals than I expected. And that's a really big deal. That being said, you know, rabbit ball, uh, you know, uh amazing, amazing counting stats at 209 runs in RBIs combined, like that's another thing that can make up for this uh projection, uh this projection. Like I, I don't see how Albies would finish with 72 and or 69 and 73 runs and RBIs respectively, uh, mm-hmm. hitting anywhere where he will if he stays healthy in the Braves lineup. So, um, I would definitely take the over on that, and that would make me feel a lot better. I would probably split the difference on the the home run total between you know, uh, his twenty twenty one season and twenty twenty three, and I think it would look a lot like twenty nineteen, which was really good he was a lot better in 2019 because he hit 295 but you know a, a 260 24 15 guy is still a really good player and i think would be a value for where he he goes uh, or at least at value for where he ends up going so um that I, I think perfect, that's honestly. kind of what i would expect from uh, yep. from albies and if anyone's kind of lower on that and are scared by the Projections and you know the injury and the down year that he had. I think that that could potentially maybe be a buying opportunity. Uh, What do you have here? Uh, His ADP is at forty-eight. Yeah, I like. It's a little steep. It's steep, but I think you know if he does what we we both think he will do, I think that's absolutely totally fair, especially at second base where it's a a shallow position. Yeah,
2: yeah. Second base is really the the game changer there. I mean, he goes. Right now, one pick after Altuve. I think I would definitely lean Altuve there. But then he comes before Jazz Chisholm, who's got his own questions, which, you know, he proved us wrong on production. But then Trevor Story's the next second baseman about 20 picks later. And then after that, you're down to, like, Tommy Edmond, who's not going to give you anywhere near that pop, but he should give you more speed. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one for Albies, but I really liked your projection there of like 24, 15 260 And then if he can get closer to like 90, 90 with the Braves, then I think you're, you're going to basically break even. So yeah, it's interesting, man. But, uh, if it's, if it's what this stat line is, I don't think that translates to pick 48, but then again, maybe at second base, it does. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, a guy who is not. 25 years old, he's actually age 32, but still feels like he is bursting onto the scene, is Christian Walker. Um, If you have not been paying attention at all since your teams basically went out last year, Christian Walker is kind of an industry darling here because of the stat cast, because of the fact that he hit 36 homers, and suddenly that D-backs offense is looking better and better. So Christian Walker's projections had me scratch my head a little bit, Steve, because they got him for 150 games, which is solid. A 253 average, which they brought up 11 points, which is exactly what you want to see. His XBA was good. I think that's where we were like, okay, Christian Walker, this could this could explode. But just 28 home runs on the projections after he hit 36 last year. And then they have good counting stat or good runs in RBIs with 80 and 91 RBI. What do we think here for Walker's line? I'd be a little surprised if he didn't get 30 homers, but yeah. What do we it, think?
1: It's probably just or a, a, a simple regression due to the fact that in 2020 and 2021 he had a 6.4 percent barrel rate in both years, um, but led to it mm. this year. You know, his you know second his rebreakout. I guess I'm kind of making up a word there after he had that good 2019 <laughs> season was the 11.5% Bauer rate, which is exactly what he had in 2019, so I guess it's I see what it's doing, you know it's saying, okay, it's, you know maybe he's going to be between those two years, but I don't know it it looked like, in you know in, in 2020 and 2021 there just might have been something wrong mechanically, whether an injury or, you know, he clearly figured something out again and got back to that, you know good hard hit rate and, and Bauer rate there um, I, I think, you know I kind of buy the power. Um, I would say you know twenty and eight home runs is sort of the floor. Um, and what is even more encouraging, and I think is uh, uh, the correct thing to do, is that that two fifty three average is is really encouraging because you know he hit two forty two last year. But you know if you remember, like in June, he was still batting around two hundred and was just getting. You know, absolutely no batted ball luck and just had, you know, all of these liners. I remember watching these Christian Walker highlights, like, you know, where he hit the home run. Uh, It would have been a home run, you know, on the Wooded Dong uh, Twitter. Mm -hmm. It was home runs at a 29 out of 30 ballpark because it just missed that overhang in Arizona. Right. I remember him flying out there thinking like, hey, what the hell is going on here? This is why he's batting 200. Uh, and then in the second half, he hit close to like 280, which brought up that average a lot and didn't sacrifice too much of the power. So uh, I would tend to cherry pick the, the good things from this projection and the average and kind of not regress the homers too much. I would say, you know, maybe 32 is a, is a, is a fair number. Um, you know, he did play 160 games last year, um but I mean he yeah. won a gold glove, I believe, so uh you know, Arizona is going to keep him out there at first base uh, as as long as they can. So um yeah, it was 285 in the second half with 14 homers in 70 games where he had 22 homers in 90 games. So you know, uh the home run pace slowed down a little bit, but nothing that's going to kill you. Um uh, you know, 285 with fourteen homers is a great, great second half in seventy games for for uh, for Christian Walker.
2: Yeah, some of those had to be smashing off the wall, you'd imagine. So, uh, we talked about it, Steve, on CJ Crone versus Christian Walker, and we were on on the record on the show saying we'd prefer Walker over Crone in terms of ADP right now. Walker is at one forty-one, and Crone is at one fourteen. So that is kind of an early, if we're still there, that's an early draft this, not that for us. Are you still uh, in line with Walker over Krohn?
1: Yes, I like I like Christian Walker over CJ Krohn, for sure,
2: yes. Yeah, and you don't have to deal with those nasty uh, cores splits when Krohn's away from home. So, yeah, that's a good one there for Walker. Again, that, that projection line is 253, 28 homers. We're taking the over on that, and terrific runs and RBIs, hitting in the heart of that order. Let's move to pitchers, Steve, and we're going to start with another guy who has been your guy, at least on this side of the ball, and that's Shohei Otani, who last year was a pleasant surprise on the mound. Another guy you were talking about. I was cracking up when you and Nick went into last year's mock draft, and he was your SP1 in, like, the eighth or ninth round. And then it looked terrific because this past year – We got the volume with 166 innings, a 233 ERA, uh, 101 whip, and a 33% strikeout rate with a 6.7% walk rate. Here's the thing with Shohei going into this projection with Steamer. They've got him increasing the volume up to 173 innings, 217 strikeouts. So coming back to earth slightly to a 30.8% K rate. And then a 315 ERA, which I think the environment's going to have a lot of ERAs regressing Mm -hmm. because there's not going to be 12 pitchers with a sub-3 ERA, and a 109 whip. So this looks very, very tempting for Otani. And the question is, do we believe that the volume will be 173 innings?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's just a matter of whether you buy the innings. I mean, Nick's also said it on uh, a few of the podcasts, like, it's really hard to project innings and the number one thing to project innings is innings last year or innings in the past. But it's also tough because innings in the past is wear and tear and it makes it harder to to, yeah. to do that so it's it's such a tricky thing to do. Um have as someone who, you know, rostered Otani in a lot of places as a pitcher uh, and sometimes in some places dual eligibility sort of things. You know, there was no hiccup. There was no missed start to a blister that he dealt with in 2021 or a skip in a rotation to give him an extra day rest. At most, they kind of just pushed him a day here and there. But he really didn't miss a turn. Uh, obviously, he didn't get to, like, you know, the 200 innings because the Angels did uh, had a six-man rotation, so there's no two-start weeks or anything like that. So uh, I—, I unless there's an injury, which, you know, there the, the always could be with, with Otani. Like, I'm buying, you know, 150 to 170 innings, so I'm not out on this projection. It's not like, whoa, like, what what is this? I, I, I could see it. Um, I just think that where I knew, I kind of easily could see that 130 wasn't the ceiling last year, like Nick kind of hinted at uh in our podcast from from last year, I can see 166, 170 being the ceiling, considering that he didn't, they didn't do any of those like shenanigans of skipping a start or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. this is this is the top, so uh, I could see maybe sort of hedging and get saying 150, 160 uh, innings total for Otani is 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 reasonable. That said, hey, I, I would not regress the K rate or the the walk rate or anything. He added a, a sinker that he throws 100 miles an hour less month and a half of the season. Like <laughs> so, like his skills got better. It's just it's just a question of innings. Oh, that's insane. Yeah,
2: man. yeah. I think with injury for Otani, a couple notes is that he he has had Tommy John. Yep. On the other hand, a, a funny note that again, I think it might have been Nick and, and Scott talking as well, but discussing that Otani is. He has twice the injury risk of any other player yes. because he plays twice the amount of time, pretty much, which I thought was an interesting note. But yeah, I think if the Angels, I know they just brought in uh, Tyler Anderson, it would be really interesting if they made a push for Trey Turner because right now their shortstop listed as Gio Urshela. And it seems like this still has to be a window for them with Trout and Otani. Then they really let him go a little bit. I think... You don't need the 173, I think, is what we agree on. It's like if he can get to 160, you're taking that any any day of the week. So I, I like it. And um, in terms of like the ERA and WHIP, it's going to be great no matter what it is, um, whether that's a 315 or if the environment's similar and a lot of people are sub three, Otani will be amongst the best this past year. His ERA was 10th in the league. His whip was 20th. I think you you can expect those ratios. Uh, the only thing is he doesn't, he's not the best ground ball pitcher, but who cares when he's striking out as many people <laughs> as he is. So, The next one, Steve, is near and dear to our pitcherless mock draft where I grabbed Hunter Green a couple of rounds earlier. You drafted Christian Javier, and that was probably one of the shiniest picks in the draft room where everyone was like, oh, there goes Javier, great pick. And it was a great pick. I am backing Javier. What I thought was very interesting is Javier's ADP right now is 87. Hunter Green is about 33 picks behind at ADP of 120. And their projections from Steamer are almost identical. They're both at 168 innings. They've got Hunter Green with nine more strikeouts. 212 versus the 203 for Javier. Both of those you would take with 168 innings, by the way. And then an identical ERA and whip pretty much at 397 for Hunter Green, 398 for Javier, and then the whip at 121 and 122. I don't know that I'm buying this one, man. I feel like Javier can't miss, and I feel like Hunter Green is basically a, a wild card for upside yet here they are right next to each other on production and 30 picks away on ADP. So what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Uh, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, I would take Javier as, you know, close to an SP one Hunter green is more of a, Hey, you know, it's my third or fourth pitcher. Let's take a shot on a guy who could be an SP one. Um, I think that, you know, the fact that Javier only threw 148 innings last year and, you know, started out of the bullpen the last two seasons um, has had, you know, a, a, a higher walk rates. So, you know, he, he did a lot better this year, just an 8.9% walk rate. Um, you know, I, I know Hunter Green only had a, a, a 9% walk rate, but it, it just seemed like there's more Command issues with Hunter Green than there is Javier. Right, Javier, like Nick said on uh, on on my mock draft podcast, like Christian Javier has a top fastball in the league. Like it's top five pitch in the league for any pitcher, any pitch. Hunter Green like had to figure out how to not give up five home runs off of his fastball every start. Right, like I remember there was like a few Brewer starts in there where it was just like guys were teeing off on him. You know, twice an inning it seemed like and he just couldn't throw a fastball. It looked like he started to figure out that in the second half. Yes, I, I totally understand that, and there was a great stretch of starts. But I I know for a fact that Javier has this amazing fastball, uh, an amazing slider, and is essentially Spencer Strider. Hunter Green, I know, can be this, this, this great pitcher, has the velo, has the stuff, um, still needs to, I think, take a step to put together to make those projections come through come true um you know i could see both of them i believe christian javier's projections more if that makes any sense whatsoever
2: well and i just think a a huge part of this is what the heck are projections doing sliding javier's era from a 254 all the way back to a 398 and on top of that the the whip of 122 where last year the whip was .95. I know the walk rate still isn't great from Javier. Um, He's not a great ground ball pitcher, but he's fourth in the league in hard contact against. I just cannot see his ERA being much higher than like a 3.6, and that to me is like a floor. And here they are with a 398. So I don't know. To me, the ratios is where they're way off on this.
1: Yeah, I mean Javier had a .95 whip last year, he had a one sixty nine batting average against. Uh, on top of that, you know, a 24.3 percent strikeout minus walk rate. You know, one of uh, one of our favorite stats there. So uh, hey,
2: hopefully, hopefully projections all look like this for Javier, Steve. That'd yeah. be great news for. Yeah, for yeah, his. for sure.
1: Keep the keep the cost down. let, let people be.
2: People not realize how good of a pitcher this guy is okay well let's let's talk about another pitcher that will probably be viewed as an sp1 he's getting drafted about 20 picks sooner than javier right now and it's alec manoa he's a guy we talked about a couple shows ago steve because you know he he, he was certainly elite this year from a ratio standpoint but the k's weren't weren't quite there now, this is a weird projection because they have him at about a strikeout an inning, and you're going to get the volume. They've got him projected at 202 innings, 198 Ks, which again would be a better K rate than last year, but a 409 ERA and a 124 whip. That ERA is almost up two whole runs from where he was at this year. The XFIP this year was a 398, which is pretty much where they've got him, and then some. It's just uh I don't know, man. Like, where are we at with Manoa here? Because this is not SP one worthy if this projection is correct.
1: Like, I think I see where the the downside is coming from. He had a two forty four BABIP, an eighty three percent left on base percentage, um, a 0.73 homer to nine. So a lot of the the metrics that indicate some luck are on his side, or were on his side last year. So okay, yeah, sure, you can regress those back, but I'm not regressing him down to a 126 homer per nine and 288 BABIP when in 2021, it was a 0.97 homer per nine and the 246 BABIP with a 76% left on base percentage. So uh, sure. Yeah. uh, The, the two forty two twenty four ERA may have been a bit fortunate, but I I think it, if anything, it's going to be more like his X ERA of 331 last year than a four Oh nine. And with that, You know, with the stuff that Manoa has, um, he's had a he had a twelve point six percent swing strike rate in twenty twenty one. You could see some easy growth for for strikeout rate there, which would just kind of combat anything um, that would you know bring down the you know if the BABIP or the left on base went. Uh, normalized if there's any bit of a spike in K-rate, which I think Manoa clearly has a stuff to have a K-rate higher than 23%. um, That would mitigate any of my concerns there. So I am buying the under on a 409 ERA for sure.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I like the pitcher in general. And playing with the Blue Jays, you know, last year he, he had 16 wins. I think that's kind of in the equation as well. For the ADP, but I don't know. This would be like the earliest you would take your SP one. And when I look at the full picture of like pitchers before him and after him, I gotta yeah. say I don't think I'm gonna be having a lot of Manoa. This, yeah, I this guess year. Who,
1: I guess who's going around him? Do you do you have it in, in front of you?
2: Yeah. So, so and also
1: pitchers, caveat: this is not the greatest ADP to use since it's it's draft and hold. But regardless, for sure. so
2: so but before him is. Shane Bieber and Carlos Rodon, and then after him is Kevin Gossman, Max Fried, Luis Castillo, um, Zach Gallen.
1: I don't Joe know. I, th-
2: I think I lean Manoa over those guys. Wow. Um, I think I'd take Musgrove over them? I think I'd take Gallen over him. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I I, I think I, I think I, I think I might lean Manoa just based on sort of. The, the potential for, I think, more strikeouts, even though that does seem kind of counterintuitive based yeah. on
2: what he had last year. It might year. look like a Sandy Alcantara type of, you know, workhorse with the volume, the K-rate's not as elite as, mm-hmm. like, a you know, Scherzer, DeGrom. Yeah, type of but territory. and if he
1: does go the 200 innings, you know, I think only three pitchers went 200 innings last year, like... You know, the rate might not be great, but because he goes so many innings, the the counting numbers still might be there, right? Like he still had 180 strikeouts in the 196 innings. Um, so sure. with okay. some room yeah. for upside. That's, that's fair. Yeah,
2: it's fair. I think the volume and the win potential is something I'm probably overlooking there, but uh, he's an interesting one for sure let's talk about another one that is interesting and uh, conservative is to put it gently on Julio Arias his projections they got him uh, 12 and 10 with a 404 ERA uh, just a 23% K rate, a 6% walk rate. Uh, Arias you know, it it feels like at this point we kind of can bank on some of that production and I don't know about this one man, like these projections have him at 185 strikeouts over 193 innings. If he's getting that kind of volume, I mean, I guess that's kind of where on like a a K rate he's been, but the ratios, he's been sub three for two years in a row now where he's thrown 63 starts with a a sub three ERA and they got him all the way up at four Oh four. How do we make sense of this? And do we even care?
1: No, I don't think we care. I think Arias is kind of a guy that has had projections be wrong on him just constantly for whatever reason. Um, he is not a four year A guy. He is a high twos year A guy, um, you know, mid threes at, at worst, uh, and, and kind of has been that his entire career. Like, there's no way that a guy that has a career whip of where where is it here i had it up just a second ago uh, uh career
2: whip is 109 yeah
1: like how is that going like how is he projected for a 134 123 whip this year like it hasn't been higher than 1.15 since 2016 um they got his whip
2: so, coming uh, way up which yeah. is not yeah
1: he, that's just not who he is. He has this, he runs these low bad He, you know, sure, uh, again, yeah, 86.6% uh, left on base is is high, but, you know, his XERA was a 281. Uh, his XFIP was a, a, a uh, 381. His FIP was a 371. He's also a guy that just always runs lower numbers than his FIP and XFIP. Um, so I'd buy, like, you know, a, a three array, essentially for Arias, you just can't use the projections for, for him. He's clearly got them beat.
2: So Arias is at an ADP of forty nine, just ahead of Verlander and Zach Wheeler. What do you think about that pairing there?
1: <sighs> yeah, maybe I, I could make the. Uh, I think You're kind I would of probably different things. Yeah, I would probably go Verlander and Wheeler, but that's not a knock on Arias. I think maybe. You know, volume wise, it's hard to, it's hard to believe that I'm saying that about Verlander. That's what he's 40 years old, um, and Wheeler had some issues towards the end of the last year, but they seem much safer locks to go like 190 innings than than Arias did. Even last year, you know, he he still threw just just I say that in air quotes uh, 175 innings, but I think that's close to his his ceiling
2: yeah and and talking about uh puzzling projections steamer has verlander's era doubling from 175 which is crazy (laughs) to a 351 so kind of sheds a little light on the fact that they're pulling all pitchers back Mm -hmm. to toward like a four era which is seems a little strange uh similar story for the next guy and we just talked about joe musgrove Steve, you took him in the PL mock yes. and you had some regrets. I like Musgrove. Um it, more so than than Manoa, but they've got him projected 194 innings, uh three seven four I'm sorry, three seven three ERA, uh 23.4% K rate, six point four percent walk rate. And yeah, that is kind of ho hum for for a pitcher who you're really hoping could put all the stuff Together. He's always been a guy who liked the, you know, Eno Serres stuff plus has always liked him. I, I know we've liked him with the Padres. You got to imagine some of the wins are going to start being higher than 11 and 10 for a full season. Um, they do have him projected at 13 wins, uh, but the whip projection is, let's see, a 119. So. You know, the, the, I guess they're projecting him as like good, not great, but the 373 ERA is a little high, which has been kind of the story of the show.
1: Yeah. Um, I talked about it. Uh, like, I kind of talked myself into uh, Musgrove on the podcast with Nick when I had some regrets. Um, there were some interesting things. He, uh, you know, found that spin again in September uh, that got him in trouble with the Mets, or not in trouble. Like, he was uh cleared of any wrongdoing it was just his sweaty ears um yeah but he he found he, you know he tweaked something found spin again and was really good after a rough june and july uh in in august and september Musgrove was was awesome um in 2021 he had an amazing curveball and slider in 2022 it was the cutter that was really good um, so it's kind of like, uh, you know, that, that could be the path. If you could pair the, the great slider and cutter and bump that carry up to 27% while having, you know, that cutter, um, just because he's not a primary forcing guy or, or fastball guy. Um, if you could pair those two together, like maybe you can get, uh, you know, the 2022, uh, whip and, and, and walk rates with uh, a 27 percent strikeout reach, which would make a really big deal um, in those uh, 180 innings. And I think maybe that would be the key from him to going from a top 20 pitcher to a top 10 pitcher. I know you know, Saras has ranked him in Stuff Plus and has ranked him, you know, in close to a top 10 hit pitcher. Um, I don't know if he's quite put that together, he's been he's had stretches. In the beginning of 2022, and the end of twenty two it looked like he could be, um, but maybe there's just a, a meshing of, of the skills from from each of the two years that that might happen, um, that could have Musgrove, take that leap. But another guy that I'm, uh, you know, taking the under on the ERA of 3.73 for the projections.
2: Yeah, he's a really interesting one because even in his last year with Pittsburgh. He had a 33% K rate and just a 386 ERA. And then, you know, once he went to the Padres, the K rate went from 33 down to 27, last year 25, and now they have him projected at 23.4. But I would bet that it goes the other way. I still, I mean, I like all the things you're talking about, Steve, that he's kind of developing different parts of his game and is evolving as a pitcher as those Ks went down his walk rate followed suit from like 10% to seven to six. And I still am not forgetting that uh, the pitching coach for the Padres came over from uh, the the Cleveland Guardians, Ruben Niebla, who spent 21 seasons with Cleveland. So I'm just kind of betting on the circumstances and the pitcher with Musgrove just being 29 years old. I like it, man. Uh, I, I'm a fan. I could see myself uh, waiting and waiting and then going Musgrove as a SP1. I think I would feel yeah. good about that. But. So
1: kind of what I did in the mock draft. Nice. I'm glad you're approved. Exactly, man.
2: I'm just following your playbook, <laughs> Steve. Well, let's talk about another guy from your mock draft, Steve, and it's one of your targets uh, for the offseason, which is Nick Lodolo. Talk to me about Lodolo. The projections uh, looked a little better. With a 176 innings pitched, a 3.67 ERA, a 28.2% K rate, and then the walks still a little questionable at 8.2%. But he's your target, Steve. Yeah. Talk about the projections and just why you like Ladolo. I,
1: I mean, it, this is kind of what I'm I'm hoping for and and, and thinking that potentially uh, you could find at Pick you know what 100 120 for Ladolo. Um, you know, I, I I get the the inflated ERA. It's a tough place to pitch in. Um, you know, he did have his struggles in the first half where he had an above-4 ERA, but I think the second half sort of showed that upside um, where he had, you know, uh, close to a 3 ERA. I think it was under-3 ERA, and, you know, a 33% strikeout rate, under an 8% walk rate. Like, that stretch of games was the... the Dolo that I fell in love with um what I think could lead to even more um success is if he mm-hmm. finds the ground ball rates that he had in the minors he ran pretty high ground ball rates all throughout the minors like 55 56 57% um it was just 46% last year i know he he is a sinker ball primary fastball guy um but he was at forty six percent last year. Projected for forty five percent this year. Like, if he can unlock something to to pair though that really good swing and miss stuff, uh, a twelve point three percent swing strike rate last year, twenty nine point eight percent CSW. Um, if you bump up that ground ball rate uh, to above fifty percent, even like that's that's the makings of of a fantasy ace. Uh, I, I know that's obviously a lot easier said than done, but that's why i think uh i I like nickel dill he seems really really close to tweaking one thing one way or the other to becoming a a a fantasy ace
2: yeah it's you know six six uh he's still 24 The ground ball rate like you mentioned is room for growth and yeah that some of the just the the arsenal that he's got i know was it was it lodolo you guys were talking about the changeup. yes that the change up. if he I mean, can kind of tighten up that yep, zone exactly
1: um, he has the curve he has a hard sinker which isn't great um but he throws it 95 miles an hour from the left hand side like the curve is absurd the curve is insane it's an amazing pitch but yeah if he could locate that change up a little bit better then bears three offerings and you know it, it's it could take off from there
2: Okay, I love it. Well, it speaks volumes that they're, you know, buying Lodolo when almost every other yes, pitcher, they're true. kind of fading yes, their stats. It's almost like the O'Neal Cruz of the pitcher side when it comes to yeah. steamer projections. So same could be said for Hunter Green, though. I think that was one that was really interesting, that the projections <sighs> yeah. were basically buying his writing of the ship for the last and six And both or those seven guys are in
1: hitter-friendly parks, too, right? So the projection can consider that. So for them to be that bullish on green and and ladillo is very very interesting and and maybe uh we should be even more in on both those guys that's a good point
2: point. and we'll be we'll be talking about them all off season but hopefully you guys found this one interesting that that does wrap us up for episode 80 you guys can find us every other week we should be on fridays sometimes we'll kind of scoot up to a thursday show like today But every other Friday, uh, so in a couple weeks, and that goes until Super Bowl Sunday. And after that, we'll be back on weekly. But we should have some fun guests coming up. Should be a lot of fun, Steve, just all off-season. I'm excited, man. We're starting to get on the cusp. Oh, yeah. I'm getting ready to have, like, my home league banquet where we do a- awards and draft order and all that. So we're, we're not as far as it seems, you know? No, no. It's, uh, you
1: know, the, the, my friends and I always joke. I think I've, I've told this joke possibly on the show or with you. But uh, there's a radio host in, in, in New York, Mike Francesa. He's retired now, but he was a legend. That's where I how I grew up. And honestly probably why I have a podcast, just because, you know, I I love listening to sports talk radio all my childhood, but he would always like, you know, be in the dead of winter and like, you know, it's, uh, you know, we got uh, the the Christmas, the holidays, uh, you know, before, you know, pitchers and catchers report, then boom, you you know, uh, it's fantasy baseball draft season and baseball here. He would like, you know, run through the things very quickly and basically gloss over (laughs) and get you to a certain point in time you know, before you like know it's, it's holidays, only, then, then yeah, it's Super Bowl. It was that easy. Then it's Super Bowl. Then it's draft season. Then it's baseball, and boom, you're there. Like that's just uh, that's how it goes. And yeah, I mean, it, in a sense, he's kind of right. Like time does fly. So, uh, yeah, we'll be there before we know it.
2: I love it. Well, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Wins Above Pod. I'm at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav eight eight one eight. Hey, it's the off-season. If you made it this far, we know you guys are patrons of the show. It would be huge if you could go out and give us a rating, review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys listen. But that wraps us up for episode 80. On behalf of Mr. Steve Giswelli, I'm Van Burnett, and that is Wins Buff Fantasy. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Later, guys. Thanks.